be confused up there asking me to do this. He was real with God. In our prayer life, in our walk life, we need to be real with him. If it hurts, you tell him it hurts. If you're happy, you say, I'm happy and I'm thankful and I'm glad. But you can't lie to him. You know, you ever been praying and you're praying and you're praying, but your heart ain't meaning what you're praying? Forget all the words. Done, done with that. He sees right into the heart, knowing you're for real or you're not for real. Ananias says, I don't think you know what you're talking about. He's killed all these people. But then the third thing Ananias done was he took the journey. He didn't understand what was going on or how it was going on. But he said, if this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. This journey that he was on took faith. He couldn't have took it without faith. Remember, Paul was getting letters to take the Christians back to be killed. How did Ananias know he wasn't being set up? He could have walked right into a bad spot and said, this guy's going to take my life because I've accepted Jesus. He didn't know. And how was he to judge Paul? It wasn't like the New Testament was written. And we had somebody who was Wesleyan Arminian in there saying this is what Paul's conversion experience was. And what I mean by that was he had free will to accept Christ. He had free will to deny Christ. That's what it means to be Wesleyan Arminian. He could do whatever he wanted. He had free will. He couldn't say, um, are you Wesleyan Arminian? That means you have free will. He could have been a Baptist. He could have been a free will Baptist. You have free will all until you get saved. And then after that, you can never lose your salvation. He couldn't go up to Paul and say, are you a free will Baptist? Dad, I know you freely confessed him. You'll never lose your salvation. Was he a Calvinist? He don't know what he was. That means he was predestined before he was ever born to be saved and know Jesus Christ. Ananias didn't have all these things in there. He didn't know what it means to be have the full of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, to confess Christ. It's the guy he's going to minister to who fleshed that out. He simply went on faith and trusted God that what God had spoke to his heart and what God spoke to his mind, he was going to do. Maybe you don't think that takes faith, but it does. To hear from God and to walk with him and to go share with somebody the gospel. Your legs are trembling. Your mind is trembling. You're frantic. Are you sure this is what you want me to do? It took great faith for him to take that journey. But it also took faith for him to go to acknowledge Paul. Because he said to Paul, Paul, Jesus has sent me here to pray for you that you might receive your sight. It took great faith for him to hear from Christ. To say, I'm willing to follow Christ and serve Christ. To go where you want me to go, not knowing what's going to happen. And then to get to the destination and look that person face to face, even though Paul couldn't see him. And say to him, God has sent me here to pray for you that you might receive your sight. That took great faith. And then he laid his hands on him. And when he laid his hands on him, the Bible says, Paul received his sight. After he received the sight, the Bible says Paul got up and he was fed. Ananias took care of his physical need. He fed him food. Here's some food, man, for you to take on your journey. Here's some food that God wants you to have to help you out. But then Ananias discipled Paul. Notice he called him brother, identifying him as a Christian. You are now my brother in Christ. Brother Saul, God has sent me here. And after he'd done that, he baptized him in water. 
And then Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias trained, taught, and discipled Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. God used a nobody to change the life of somebody. Now, you might get mad at me, but okay, here it comes. We're a nobody congregation. I'm just going to lay it out there for you. Here it comes when you're a nobody church. Um, number one, you're a nobody church because you worship in an old building. Your building is outdated. Your building is outdated. You don't have any extra parking. You don't have this going on. You don't have that going on. You're a nobody congregation. It says it on our website. We're a small rural church in West Alexandria. You're in a nobody town. You're in a nobody town that nobody cares about you. You have a nobody building. Nobody wants to be in an old, outdated building. You have a very mature congregation. You have a very mature congregation. What about all these youngsters? They don't want to be around a very mature congregation. They're young and hips and they're ready to go and fly and do all that stuff. They're ready to get on and boogie. You don't have all the bells and whistles in your congregation, right? We don't have the fancy worship systems and, and, and sense of guitars and all that stuff where we can turn this whole area dark where all you see is the guy with the six-pack preaching the gospel in his nice, tight T-shirt. You don't have that. We are a nobody congregation. We don't have the bells and whistles necessarily in our youth group. We don't travel all over the place with a lot of kids. We don't have a whole lot of children every Sunday, right? We don't take our children all over the place like most people do. And I'm sure you've heard all these things over and over and over again. Everything you don't have, we are a nobody congregation. Well, now that I told you what everybody says we don't have, what do we have in this nobody congregation? Number one, we have the willingness to want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We say to him, Lord, speak to our hearts. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from heaven. Speak to us that we might follow you. We want to do your will. We want to do your bidding. So speak to us, Lord. We are here to serve and follow you. Secondly, I know we have a willingness to be real. We talk about it in the board meetings all the time, how real we are. But we're real with God. How or why would you want to use me? What are you going to do in our lives, Lord? But I'm here, and I have to be real with him. What do you want us to do? You might even say, Lord, do you realize what you're asking me to do? If I have to fill in to be an usher, if I have to fill in to teach the children's, if I have to do anything, what are you asking me to do and am I willing to do it? You have to be real with him and I think we are willing to be real with God. But we have to be willing to take the journey. Where is Christ calling us to as a congregation? Who is he asking us to minister to? How are we to move forward? We have to be willing to take the journey that he's setting us on. Maybe we haven't worked the whole thing out. 
You know, those guys, all they had was visions and dreams and the Holy Spirit. That's kind of what led them and guided them. Of course, the Old Testament, but the way they moved to Christianity was God speaking to their hearts. We have it in the Word of God. And the Word of God puts us in check when we should draw back. And the Word of God moves us forward. It will always work if we let it work in our lives. But we have to be willing to take the journey. This is something we're talking about in the board meeting on moving forward. We have to be willing to go where we believe God's asking us to go. And if he don't want us to go that direction, he'll shut her down. We have to be willing to walk in faith. We have to walk in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his word and what he says about us as believers and what he says we're capable of doing as believers and the gifts and talents that he's giving us. We have to have faith in him that is going to work in our lives. Then we have to be willing to take care of the physical needs of others. We already do that. You do an excellent job of helping people out. We're a great giving congregation. The food pantry stuff back there, you give great in your offerings. If people have a need, you meet the needs. You are a very giving congregation and you take care of the physical needs of others. Finally, we gotta be willing to disciple other people. One thing just to tell somebody about Jesus Christ, when people accept Jesus Christ, we need to work together. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is how we're supposed to walk. This is how we're supposed to learn. This is how we're supposed to grow. He wants to baptize us in water. He wants us to participate in communities. He wants us to understand his word. He wants us to grow in our faith, and we have to be willing to uh, uh, disciple other people. In this church... We have everything needed, and we have a sphere of influence around us to see other people change for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all right here in us. We have Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word. We just got to be willing to say, Lord, use me, and he'll do it. And since that is the case, I have no problem. With somebody saying to me, you're a nobody preacher, and you're a nobody congregation. Don't bother me one iota. You know why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ called 12 nobodies. Just ordinary fishermen. Just walking around doing their own little thing and said, come, follow me. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. And he discipled them, and he trained them, and he asked them to wait. And when he went to heaven, he filled them with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord Jesus Christ took those 12 nobodies. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that they turned the world upside down with their faith. Paul mentions Ananias in Acts chapter 22 on his salvation experience. He says, when Christ saved me, a certain disciple named Ananias came and ministered to me. I bet you right now, there's people sitting in churches that you've influenced and that you've touched and that have said, that person was a big influence on my life that brought me to Christ. Doesn't matter what church they go to. What matters is they accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And if Jesus can do that with those 12 he can do a whole lot with us. I don't mind being a nobody because God always takes a nobody and he makes them 
somebody. Amen. Amen. May God use us for his glory. Let us pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation. And for the men who had a big influence on my life, like Lonnie Davidson, who shared with me the gospel. And I thank you for the brothers and sisters who trained and discipled me in Korea, in Germany. Thank you for all those who was obedient in the faith to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you for what you've done in all of our lives, Lord, that you have saved our souls, you have changed us. Let them say what they want to, Lord. But if you work in our hearts and our souls and in our minds, if you work in our lives and you keep changing our hearts and we keep following you and serving you, the fruit of that will grow and it will be manifest and it will be taken into the community, into other churches, into all the world. Because you're the great King of kings and Lord of lords. You always love to use nobodies to win the lost. For that, Lord, we're grateful and we're thankful Fill us with the spirit of the living God that we might serve you and follow you even better. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to say a benediction. I'm going to have a prayer benediction. And would you just, as we get ready, go uh, play the piano for a little bit? All right, so just stand with me this morning. This is a 5th century prayer, a benediction from the saints of old that I thought was appropriate for our service today. Hear this prayer. O Lord, from whom all good things do come, grant to us, thy humble servants, that by thy holy inspiration we may think those things that be good, and by thy merciful guiding may perform the same through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you all this week. Have a wonderful week. Board meeting right after service.